Let us pray. Oh, gracious Lord, we come once again to seriously consider the words of your son Jesus and the response of faithful disciples to him. As we do so, I ask, Lord, that you take the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, and make them wholly yours, that as we, as we have this serious consideration, we might be actively listening so that we can critically think all that we can grow in our capacity to radically love as we've been loved. These things I ask and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I once had somebody refer to me as gregarious. I think I'm obnoxious, not a great, whatever that other big word is, don't you? Will you, will you, will you humor me as I'm obnoxious today? Because here's the deal. I have this secret desire that's not going to be secret after this sermon. I would love to be a game show host. I think if Drew Carey can do it, I can do it. You know? And so, and so I, want to, I want to play a little bit of a game show with you today. And, and I'm going to use my best game show voice. Okay? And so the title of this game show is, Would You Have Ever Believed It? Pandemic Edition. Yes, would you have ever believed it? The new game show featuring things from the COVID-19 pandemic you would have never believed had you not seen it with your own eyes. So for each picture, I'm going to ask you, do you believe it? And you're going to say back to me, I saw it with my own eyes. Can we practice that once? Do you believe it? Outstanding. Now listen, because this is a game show, it's intended to be lighthearted. We will not examine the more serious aspects of the pandemic, like the politicization of mask wearing, so many people being out of work, how angry one everyone was and still is. We're not going to talk about death or mourning or the utter emptiness that comes from being unable to properly bury your loved ones. By the way, did anybody else get to properly bury their loved ones, not get to do that because of COVID? Because I know I did. But we're not going to talk about the sad stuff. No. Uh -uh. Just the lighthearted, frustrating stuff. So remember, I'm going to say, do you believe it? And you're going to say... Oh, yes, but when we do that, you're going to have to look me. I'm going to step out. When we do that, you've got to really do it, though. All right, you've got to do your voices, too. Okay, you ready? All right, here we go. Let's begin with everybody's obvious choice, toilet paper. Yes, toilet paper. Would you have thought that toilet paper shortage would have been an actual thing? Clearly, the lady in this picture didn't see the memo there that said limit one per customer. Yes, so did so many others, apparently. Do you believe it? Or how about this little number? Hand sanitizer. How I wished I had bot stock and hand sanitizer. You remember some of the bad smelling, terrible smelling hand sanitizers people were coming out with when we ran out of the good stuff? The world ran out of hand sanitizer. Do you believe it? But the pandemic brought us so much more discomfort than toilet paper and hand sanitizer, right? 
Media friends in the back, let's show them what's on slide number four. Going to school exclusively on computer. That was fun, right? <laughs> do you believe it? <laughs> but wait, we don't want to leave the adults out, do we? How about going to work exclusively on the computer? This happened now, but in some ways, it's ushered in a new way of working that can be very effective. Still, though, do you believe it? But wait, but wait, it gets even better because parents and children were stuck at home with each other as everyone attends work and school entirely on the computer together at home. As if marriage wasn't hard enough before the pandemic, how about all of us being stuck together in the same house for months on end? Do you believe it? But all of these, all of these pandemic follies pale in comparison to the Mercedes-Benz of pandemic fun, everyone's favorite, the chin diaper. <laughs> yes, the chin diaper. There's so much I could say about face masks and the pandemic, but I think the chin diaper sums it up best. Do you believe it? You know, I would have never believed any of this in a million years had I not experienced it, had I not seen it, had I not lived it for myself. Because so often in our world, seeing is believing. And that was certainly the case with Jesus' resurrection. It was evening on that first Easter day. Reports were coming in from different disciples gathered in the upper rooms. And John and Peter, they'd been to an empty tomb early that morning. So too had some of the women. Mary had seen the risen Christ in the garden. He had spoken to her, telling her to go and tell others that he had risen just as he said. She did what he said to do, but still disciples were in disbelief. They hadn't seen it with their own eyes. Then Jesus appeared to two of them on the road to Emmaus. Notice that everyone's eyewitness encounter of Jesus has taken place away from the upper room. Because at this point, the upper room was still a place of hiding. A place where Jesus' closest disciples had hidden themselves away because they were scared. Even with reports coming in about a resurrection, they were too scared to venture out. Ten of the eleven remaining disciples were now in the upper room. And the text doesn't tell us where the disciple Thomas was. And so with all of this context, we come to today's scripture lesson. And it reads, on the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he says. Then he showed him his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now when I see this and when I read this, I, I have to remind myself that the resurrection body of Jesus is somewhat of a mystery. I mean, he's tangible, right? He can be touched. He's recognizable, but he looks a little bit different. And though he can be touched, and as written in other resurrection passages, apparently the resurrected Jesus can also eat. And he can pass through solid walls and locked doors. It's a bit of a mystery, right? As Paul would later write, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we'll all be changed to be like him.
How is it possible that Jesus can do all of these things? Well, it's a little beyond our comprehension. But one thing is for certain. We will be like him. So into the midst of everyone's confusion and everyone's fear, Jesus says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Now, whenever God appears in the midst of people, it's because they're afraid. And that was certainly the case for the disciples. Since there is fear, Jesus imparts peace. But he does more. He proves who he is by showing them his wounds. Did you know there's something man-made in heaven? It's the wounds of Jesus. The man-made thing in heaven is Jesus' wounds. Jesus knew that the disciples required seeing him to believe in him. They needed to see so that they could go and they could witness. The disciples saw Jesus and they believed. And the result, the disciples' fear turned to joy. But Jesus did tell them that was going to happen, just to be fair. Jesus, having assuaged the disciples of their fear with peace, he now commissions them to go and tell. And according to John, he breathes on them the Holy Spirit and says, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now listen, the meaning of that sentence is hotly debated. The point of Jesus' words is that the disciples must make the gospel so clear when they evangelize that there's going to be no doubt to the hearer where that person stands in relationship to God. Because sin separates us from God. And Jesus is the only way to be forgiven of our sin, which as John's Gospel reminds us, is our disbelief, our willful disbelief. And at this point, all of a sudden, as fast as he appeared, Jesus disappears. And in comes Thomas. Now Thomas, called Didymus, that means a twin, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came, so the other disciples said, hey, we've seen him. But he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger, finger where those nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Notice now that the other disciples have seen Jesus. They have been resurrected into eyewitnesses. They can't help but to share the good news with Thomas, who wasn't there. And verse, I think verse 25, though, is where Thomas starts to receive a bad rap from history. Have you ever noticed how history seems to remember in sound bites? Like if I said the name Richard Nixon, what would you say? Watergate? I'm not a crook. I don't know. We probably remember him from Watergate rather than normalizing U.S. relations with China or withdrawing our troops from Vietnam. If I said George Armstrong Custer, you'd probably remember him from his last stand at the Little Bighorn. But did you know he was the youngest general in the Union Army ever? Or how about Babe Ruth? If I said Babe Ruth, who would you say he is? I don't know what you said, but that's probably, probably right, but... Uh, He's the homecoming king. He also has the dubious distinction of being the strikeout king. But you don't remember for the strikeouts, just the home runs. If I say the Apostle Thomas to you, you're probably going to remember him as who? Doubting Thomas. 
But I don't think that's a really fair description. After all, it was Thomas who, with great courage, suggested that the disciples go to Jesus with, to Bethany with Jesus in the face of certain death. That was back in John chapter 11. It was Thomas who, with great courage, admitted he didn't understand what Jesus was talking about during the Last Supper. What did the other disciples require in order to believe? The other disciples had to see in order to believe. Is Thomas any different from the other ones? No. The only difference between Thomas and the others is Thomas was at least brave enough to say it out loud. Which, just for a little side application, let me say, remember that strength comes from vulnerability, being vulnerable with God and with one another. Well, as we know, the story continues a week later. They were in the house again. This time Thomas was there. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came did that whole mystical mystery man thing. He comes in. He stands among them. Peace be with you, he says. Then he looks at Thomas and he says, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out and put your hand into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And this is where Doubting Thomas' poor name originates. But in truth, it's a bad translation. You see, the Greek word there is pistis for faith, and that means belief. When you add simply a little letter, a little letter, the letter A, when you add the letter A before pistis, it becomes apistos. It means to disbelieve. Thomas required what everyone else required in order to believe Jesus had resurrected from the dead. He had to see Jesus alive. That's why I say referring to Thomas as doubting Thomas just isn't fair. Because for Thomas and all the disciples, seeing was believing. Peter doubted, then he believed. The other apostles doubted, and then they encountered the risen Jesus and they believed. As was already proven by considering the Greek, it's not that Thomas or any of the rest of them or we who follow today doubted. Their souls simply moved from apistos to pistos, from being without faith to being with faith. This was by their individual acceptance of God's grace. And yet it was by God's grace that they came to be connected to Jesus in the first place. By the way, and if you've tuned me out, tune back in now. Have you noticed that although Thomas was the last in the group to believe. He still belonged to the group. Listen, with Jesus, you can belong before you believe. The church is meant to be a place where people can belong before they believe. How terribly short we have fallen from offering to others that grace which Jesus has offered to us. Thomas may have been the last of eleven to believe, but it was Thomas who was courageous enough to make the very first bold confession of faith. My Lord and my God. The Gospel of John forms full circle with Thomas's confession. As John's Gospel begins, it is in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. He is full of grace and truth. He is glorious. Who else but Jesus can be our Lord and our God? The disciples, they required seeing Jesus in order to believe in His resurrection. And the result of their belief was in one word, confession. They saw, they believed. Thomas saw, he believed. They saw, they believed. And then they confessed with their lips that Jesus is Lord. And I think, friends, that everyone starts at the same place as Thomas did. But what about? What about all of us who have not seen the risen Christ in the flesh? How do we know that a literal resurrection from the dead actually took place? After all, we don't have any pictures, right? There's no, they didn't have smartphones back then. You know that? I know it's hard to believe. They didn't have smartphones way back yonder. They didn't have those. There are no videos that wasn't posted. No YouTube, Facebook, TikTok. We weren't there. We didn't see it. We didn't witness Jesus' resurrection. So we can't say to each other, I saw it with my own eyes. No, no. We are called to believe and confess based upon the eyewitness encounters of others. And this is grace by faith. And in such faith comes blessing. And I don't think it is unreasonable to believe in Jesus' resurrection without seeing. I don't think that's unreasonable at all. In fact, this is why the Lord sent the Holy Spirit to magnify His resurrection witness throughout the world and to each generation until the end of the age. Seeing is believing for the disciples, but for us, believing without seeing is blessing. It's blessing. The risen Lord says as much in today's scripture lesson when He speaks a beatitude, a blessing about us to His disciples. He says, because you have seen Me, you have believed. And then He talks about us. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. What is this blessing of which Jesus speaks? The blessing is that in spite of our doubt, in spite of our lack of faith, we believe because of Him. And friends, that is so important. Because faith in Jesus Christ is not meant to dispel all our doubts. Did you know that? Did you know it's okay to have doubts? Did you know that faith and doubt are meant to live in tension with one another? As God continually proves His reality over and over and over and over and over and over and over in your life. Confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and God means believing the resurrection is true in the presence of our doubt. Confessing without seeing resurrects Jesus in our hearts. Because Christ comes into our hearts by grace through faith. God then does the miraculous. He resurrects us. He changes us from the inside out to be more and more like Jesus by using our human doubt to seek godly truth. Seeing may be believing, but people have been believing without seeing for nearly 2,000 years. Hear it again. 
People have been believing without seeing for nearly 2,000 years. That is the blessing and that is the power of the resurrection. And so as I close today, I simply close with these faith questions for you. Because they are so important for you to consider. No matter what age you are or what stage you are in life. Because you could belong here and have never believed. Have you claimed the power of the resurrection by confessing Jesus as Lord and God? Because I tell you, the evidence is ample. And the power of the Holy Spirit is beckoning you now to receive Jesus as your Lord and your God. Jesus is who He said He is. And He desires to bless you with the power of His resurrection and for a, with a forever relationship. Seeing is believing. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And that's the word seriously considered this day for the church of Calvary and all with ears to hear. All thanks and praise be to God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Not a one of them we see. And yet we see in each other in the pages of Scripture and feel by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.